we need Julian Assange. And one thing I want to say to you today is, it is not only that he is the victim of torture, it is not only that his life is at stake, it is not only that we want to save him from a dreadful injustice, we also want to save him because the world needs Julian Assange as a symbol and fighter for liberty in this country. Uh, Craig Murray at the uh, top of the show, and uh, that was Anton Karras' theme song from The Third Man. I'm Randy Credico, Randy Credico, live on the fly, 99.5 FM in New York City, uh, WBAI.org. Uh, we are continuing our uh, Assange Countdown to Freedom show, getting closer now in our fifth year. Um, and uh, we got some good news uh, this morning. Uh, you know, some people are saying, well, it's good and bad news. For me, I'm looking at the positive. It is good news. And the judge, and I would have bet everything I have, which is not much, that he was not going to get a favorable decision. But he did. And at that hearing today, or at the, um, at the Old Bailey, watching all of it, is our uh, dear friend, uh, Craig Murray, who's done this show many times. And uh, he joins us from nearby the courthouse, the Old Bailey. Hey, Craig, good seeing you. Good talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's particularly good to be with you today, Randy. Uh, much better day today. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, I woke up at 4 o'clock, 4.30 uh, New York time. And I looked and I saw a tweet by James Dolman saying, judge denies request or whatever, denies ex extradition. I was like, wait a second, am I dreaming? And then I spoke to you about a half hour later. Indeed, I was not dreaming. Uh, Craig, can you set up today uh, how your day started and uh, how it uh, developed and uh, what your reaction was? Just give us the entire walkthrough because you're one of the few people who actually got in to that hearing today. I was indeed. In fact, I was the only person in the public gallery. Uh, well, there, there were two other people who were court officials who were put in the public gallery for reasons of social distancing. Uh, but I was the only person other than people who work in the court in the public gallery, um, which was a bit strange. Um, and it was, uh, today was quite heavily intimidatory. There were a lot of police outside the courtroom. Several people were arrested outside the, uh, the courtroom. Uh, people who were queuing to get in, uh, including you know, NGOs like the Porters Without Borders, uh, they were threatened with arrest many times. Some excuse for all this was COVID regulations. We were told that it was an illegal gathering outside the court. Even the queue to get in was an illegal gathering. Uh, so that was all fairly heavy. Um, I found, strangely enough, personally, um, I was expected, I'd been nominated by Julian's father to represent the family. Um, and as such, I think I, they decided they would let me in, but they didn't let anybody else in. Uh, so it was um, it, it was quite a quite a strange situation. I, I must say, 
for me, the, the police knew who I was uh, and were quite respectful and indeed helpful uh, in, in getting me in and, and, and getting me out. But I arrived, you know, with a heavy heart, fully expecting uh, that the judge was going to deny the the extradition. And for the first 95% of her judgment, I thought she was going to deny uh, the, the the extradition. Um, and the, the ending came as a, an extremely pleasant surprise, uh, really a shock. Um, Craig, Craig, can you just tell us what it was like? You're sitting there and just give us the um, a view of, of the of the entire proceeding. I mean, Julian was there with his lawyers. Was he in a cage? Was he sitting there? Uh, where was the yeah. judge? He was again in a um, in a kind of glass box. But um, but again, the at the Old Bailey, it's it's less oppressive than it is um, at Belmarsh Jail, where it's a a very small. Uh, fully enclosed glass box. Uh, basically, it's a sort of standard large wooden dock of the court, just with added glass sides, but no top in the in the Old Bailey. And this was in number two court, which is a very old historic courtroom. It's much nicer than the, um, uh, than the courtroom we'd been at, which was number 10 or something up in the, uh, up in the, the attic of the court, uh, where, where the hearing had been held. Number two court's a, a big old historic court where Oscar Wilde was tried, for example. That's where Oscar Wilde was destroyed. He, he, he was sent to jail and the conditions in the jail uh, effectively killed him. Um, he, he died shortly after coming out. So um, you know, this was a, a very important historic venue. Um, and uh, it was interesting to see. Nobody really spoke today apart from the judge. Uh, and we heard her we heard her judgment. Julian looked better. He, he looked more well than I, I've seen him since he went into, into Belmarsh. He obviously was able to follow proceedings. You could see, you know, he, he was alert. He, um, he was very, very concentrated on what the judge was saying. Um, he didn't show emotion. He, he didn't, he was very calm. Um, he didn't, show a great deal of, of, of emotion, or really show any emotion. He, he carefully listened to what the judge said. Um, shortly after she finished, one of his lawyers went over to the glass box and, and was you know, holding one of those kind of difficult conversations through a slit in the, in the glass box with him. Uh, and he seemed to be discussing some detail with the lawyer Again, looking serious, um, but no, no sign of what I would call jubilation. He, um, he, he gave me a, a very pleasant nod and smile as I was, as I was leaving the courtroom. Um, uh, it, it, his partner, Stella, was in court, and Stella was in tears. You know, Stella was obviously very... Uh, what, throughout, throughout the proceedings or at the end, of course? At, 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 at the end. Um, she looked very emotional, I, it's fair to say, during the entire proceeding but at, at the end she really was um, you know very much uh, emotional and, and she, there's what, some about time the what, what about his lawyers were they would they show signs of jubilation or were they restrained as they usually are in the British courtroom yeah they were they were very restrained in the courtroom um, outside the courtroom you know they were uh, um, in a very British way 
extremely, extremely pleased. I, I was able to have a chat with Edward Fitzgerald, his, his, his lead lawyer, and Edward was um, uh, very happy indeed. He was pulling my leg over having uh, criticized the defense in some of my articles for, for saying they weren't going in hard enough. Uh, he, he said that maybe I'd understand now that he knew what he was doing, uh, which I think was a fair criticism. He, he's a very good man. I, I, I'm fond of him. I thought he was, let me tell you, I went there the very first with you. We sat near each other. Uh, you sat next to uh, Julian's father, John Shipton, uh, those three days, four days that I was there in February. And I got, I thought that, that Fitzgerald did an incredible job, uh, you know, for what he had to work with, you know what I mean? All of the uh, obstacles that, that she threw at him and the other lawyer uh, and everything seemed to be so favorable to the prosecution. So I was, I, uh, you know, uh, I, I, for me, I thought he did a good job, but you know, uh, how, what about the second time around when you were there? That's when you had some criticism, is that it? Yeah, no, uh, again, I, mean, I thought in general he did an extremely good job. There were occasions where she was making rulings which were so outrageous that it seemed to me he really ought to be less British and less reserved in, in, in opposing what she was doing in the courts. Um, but, but that, 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 that was my feeling. But some of her rulings, like when she refused to grant an adjournment to the, uh, the defence to give them time to prepare evidence against the second superseding indictment, you know, when she refused to give them time to prepare their case after a new indictment came in. But some of her rulings, which were very outrageous, I felt he could have protested more strongly than he did. Let, 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 let me put it that way. Not that he did anything that was wrong. It's simply his, his, um, his lack of obvious outrage, if you like, because he's a very courtly and well-spoken Person. Yeah, he really is. Craig, I got I got I, I want to ask you're you're watching this before she says um, uh, that extradition denied going up leading up to that. Were you thinking that she was going to uh, comply with the government's request up until the point where she finally denied it? Were you actually did she go through the entire uh, ruling there or I read <laughs> 125 page uh, uh ruling there and so I did she, she didn't read all of that right didn't read all of it she gave basically a chase of it but she gave her rulings on all the major points and all of them were against the defense and, and people are very right to be concerned about many of her rulings I, I, and they were really very worrying indeed she ruled that there is no public interest defense in what you publish she ruled that the United States can extradite journalists over uh, espionage, under the Espionage Act for what they publish. She said that um, encouraging Chelsea Manning to reveal information when, you know, was a punishable offence not covered as journalism, which is very worrying indeed, because of course journalists encourage people to, to informants to give them material all the time. She said that there's no bar on uh, political extradition in, in, in the United Kingdom, you know, all these were very, very concerning points. And she was, and in giving her chasey of her judgment, um, she conceded nothing to the defense at all. And she was really just reading out what was in the, what was in the United States application and saying it was correct. Uh, so for, no, for 90% of her judgment, you know, for 
it was a 40-minute judgment, and for 37 minutes, it sounded like she was going to extradite. She just agreed with the prosecution on every single point. Um, and, well, tell us the key points here, then. When she made the switch, uh, what were the key points? Can you just enumerate them a little bit uh, when, when yeah. she switched gears? Essentially, what she said was that the evidence of um, the conditions in a supermax prison was compelling. That the that they you know these are inhuman conditions of detention. That you're only allowed out for one hour a day exercise, and that exercise is, is in an in another cage all by yourself. That you, you're not allowed any human contact. That you're only allowed two phone calls a month with the outside world. That family visits are next to impossible, or that the the conditions in U.S. supermax prisons. That the evidence she'd heard of that was was convincing to her that these were inhumane conditions and when you when you add to that the evidence of Julian Assange's depression the fact he has a, a medical history of depression and, and a family history of suicide the combination of his propensity to depression and the inhumane conditions of an American supermax prison uh, would mean uh, that it would be unsafe to extradite him because it would probably lead him to commit suicide. Um, which, and it really was only when she got you know, to the point of discussing American prison conditions that um, started as she was reading out. And by now we're talking the last, the last three minutes of her judgment. You know, <laughs> she started to state points that agreed with the defense. Um, and at that moment, as she was going through that, gradually, gradually, my own hope started to rise. I'm sure that of Julian and Stella and, and the defense team started to rise. Wow, this is good. This is good. This is good. Um, I still was expecting her to say right up until the last moment. However, there are, you know, there are medical arrangements and United States prisons which would mitigate against suicide or order. But no, she didn't say that. She, she ended up by saying, um, by giving what was, and, and let's remember, this wasn't just a judgment as the media are trying to present it on Julian's mental health. It was primarily a judgment on American prison conditions and saying those prison conditions are so appalling uh, that given his mental health uh, history, um, it would be inhumane to send him, but but the it was American prison conditions which were which were condemned here. That that, that shouldn't be lost. But that's what happened in the Lori Love case. The, the the judge in that case, when he went to the high court, ruled that the prison conditions are so odious and dangerous uh, and filthy that uh, there's uh, no way that uh, you could send a a person into that. It's almost like Lord Mansfield when he said the air was too pure for slavery, which he never said. <laughs> Right back in 1772. Let, let's uh, so when so they he, she basically split the baby here. She gave something to the prosecution. And the contradiction is she is she's saying that the criminal justice system in the U.S. is okay, but the prison conditions are too bad. That's what she's saying. And and, and but yeah, in a nutshell, that's what she said. Yeah. Yeah. So so what what after this? I suppose you all went to the local pub, Craig and got hammered in celebration, right? Uh, I, I certainly would have had we been allowed to. Unfortunately, London's in a fairly strict lockdown. All the pubs are, are shut, full stop, and, and all the restaurants are shut, full stop. So 
Um, there's no, and in fact, you're not even allowed to meet in private. So uh, the possibility for for getting hammered. Uh, I, I was even, you know, I was talking to supporters outside, and I had policemen come up to me. And when I say policemen come up to me, I mean like two dozen policemen come up to me, not one or two. I, I, I had big groups of policemen come up to me and tell me I'm, I wasn't allowed to speak to more than one person at once. I um, I replied that I am only speaking to this person. Unfortunately, this other 200 people are listening. I can't stop them. But no, lockdown conditions are so heavy here that there's no um, there's no means of celebrating, sadly. I'm having to, to celebrate all on my own in my hotel room. Oh, it? my goodness. Can you just walk <laughs> that through and let me have a second? <laughs> Folks on WBAI, we're talking to Craig Murray. He's got a bottle of champagne, I believe or 60 year old scotch that goes for $300 a shot. Uh, I, 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 you know, what is going to happen now uh, for Julian? So Wednesday, tell us what happens Wednesday. Uh, he, he was not allowed out on bail today, but there is a bail application. Just walk us through uh, yeah. what next here. Yeah, the United States is appealing against the decisions. They're appealing for his, um, uh, they're appealing for his expedition. Um, and it's important to say that at that appeal, the defense will be able to counter appeal against those points where the judge found for the, for the prosecution. Uh, and that's a very important point because some of the, the worrying aspects of this decision, if the United States appeals, the defense will be able to appeal those points. If the United States doesn't appeal, then the defense can't appeal those points because there's no appeal. But if, if the US does appeal the health points, the defense can appeal all the other points. Uh, 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 which, which is a good thing. The, the question is, should he be kept in prison pending the appeal? And that will be decided as the bail hearing on Wednesday. I would be very shocked if he's kept in prison pending the appeal. Now it's been ruled there is no extradition, given you know he's not been convicted of anything, uh, but he's already been on remand for, for over a year. Um, I should be very, very shocked if he's not released on, on Wednesday. I, 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 I fully expect him to be released on Wednesday. Well, if he if he's not, and he has to wait through the appeals process. Uh, that could take a long time. I mean, it took uh, two years for Lori Love's case to hit the high, you know, the other side there with the uh, Supreme Court or what's tantamount to the Supreme Court. In, in, uh, in, Normally, it takes years. My sources tell me that the High Court um, has made arrangements, has made space in May. Uh, in case it needs to, uh, in case it needed to hear an appeal, um, and that this, I mean, this was thought to be a good sign, whichever way today's verdict went, on the grounds that the High Court, I've always felt quite certain that he would win an appeal at the High Court, even if he lost today's judgment. Um, as you know, I, I've discussed that with you many times, that, that the points of law on the extradition are so weak that, that he would always win at the High Court. And I, I think that, and the High Court, my information is the High Court having not wanted this to drag on anymore, was going anyway to, to hear it far earlier than they normally would. And, and that space has been set aside in May for the appeal. We, we will, that, um, that's from the source. It may prove to be true. It may not prove to be true. I think it's true. So either way, it's not going to be a, a huge weight. And I'm, I'm very, very confident uh, that the High Court will uphold today's verdict and possibly uh, overturn some of the other points. Right, so let's, uh, Craig, so he gets out on bail. Let's, 
let's say he gets out of bail on bail on Wednesday, and then he, he comes out of that jail. What do you foresee? I mean, what what's next? Does he go to somebody's house? If he doesn't go back to Australia, is he under uh, house arrest? Uh, you know, in a supervised area. I mean, there are a lot of people who'd like to you know eliminate him uh, that are not happy with today's decision. I mean, how do you protect him? And where exactly does he go? Um, he'll probably be under house arrest. I think. Um, I, uh, he'll, you know, go somewhere where he can live quietly with, with Stella, his partner, and the children, um, uh, somewhere in the countryside. Um, so I, I, I think you can be, you know, you can be confident those arrangements are in place uh, and a degree of police protection will be in place, uh, which, which will, you know, cut both ways in a sense, because he'll be, he will be supervised, he'll, he'll almost certainly be tagged, I would think, and have to wear a tag on his leg or whatever, he'll, he'll be subject to curfew or whatever the other bail restrictions are until the appeal. Um, uh, but um, all, all that, of course, is far less onerous than actually being, actually being in prison. Um, my uh, the question is, of course, once the appeal is over and he's properly free, what then happens to him? Because if we're going to end up in this strange position where if, um, if the charges against him are not dropped, if, if the US Justice Department maintains the charges against him, strangely enough, England is going to be the only place where he can't be extradited from. You know, were he to travel to any other country, the United States could open extradition proceedings from him there. And I I know from, and it's getting on for a couple of years since I had this direct conversation with him, but I know that staying in England is the last thing he wants to do. Um, but, uh, I, he would, I suspect it, what he wants to do first of all is go home to Australia, but that would be a real risk because if he goes home to Australia, the United States government could open extradition proceedings against him in Australia, which is why, you know, for him to be truly free, we have to persuade the United States government and perhaps persuade, either we have to persuade the outgoing president to, to give him a pardon or the incoming president has to agree to drop the charges and drop this persecution. Um, and I'm, I, I, I think we don't lose sight, but it's still going to be important for the future that one of those two things happen. So we should continue, we got to continue um you know, as uh, rigorously and as vigorously as in the past uh, in support of, of Julian Assange. It's not like it's over today. I mean, could the Brits deport him to some country right now? So you're not, we don't want you here and get rid of him? Or do they have uh, to wait until the trial uh, runs its course, the appeals process? Yeah, the appeals process has to run its course. Um, they could deport him to a, back to Australia. Uh, and they deport him, they would have to deport him to Australia. That, that, that's where he's a, a citizen of. Um, and that's something which we were suspecting might well happen if he were put, you know, if, if the United States did not appeal, he was immediately free. Um, then they may seek to um, uh, deport him to, to Australia because he has no immigration status at the moment in the, um, in, in the United Kingdom. Um, or all of this needs to be worked through. All, all, all of this needs to be worked through. The nightmare scenario is, of course, that the UK deports into Australia and the Australian government, which is very, very right-wing, that uh, uh, the Australian government accepts a deportation request from the United States government and he has to go through it all over again in Australia. 
Well, that, I think what that means is that you're going to be continuing writing in craigmurray.com.uk. Uh, is that it? You're going to continue uh, writing on, on this subject uh, until it's all over? You're not going to rest now, are you? Even though you got your own case. No, absolutely. The, the, the campaign goes on. It's craigmurray.org.uk. Craigmurray.org.uk, right? Isn't that what I said? Or is it craigmurray.org? Dot UK. Which one is it? Dot org. .org .uk. And you get Craig Murray org on, on Twitter. Uh, I, at the last I was worried. I thought you were out at some club when I looked at your Twitter feed and you hadn't put anything out in three hours or four hours. <laughs> no, I, I, I was getting some sleep. It's been quite, uh, quite, you know, quite a hard time for us all. And, and sleep has been, sleep has been in short supply. So, so I, I, I went home. I was absolutely delighted. I did a, a few TV interviews, and then I um, then I collapsed on my bed and slept for four hours. All right. Well, listen, Craig Murray. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for uh, all that you have done. I was hoping that soon we could go back to talking about Alexander Burns, uh, but we'll have to stay on this a subject for uh, a spell, and then we can go back and talk about. Secunder Burns <laughs> again. <laughs> all right. So, Craig Murray. Uh, really, I, I want to. I, on behalf of the WBAI listeners, I want to thank you for all of the hard work and consistent work and the eloquence and, and just like the, you're so profound and profuse and there's always a great story. I guess you'll have one tomorrow in craigmurray.org.uk. There'll be something uh, reflecting today's uh, outcome. Right, Craig? Uh, they will indeed. I'll, I'll be starting writing shortly. I have to... Uh... I'm not a great cook. I have to work out how to cook myself dinner with all the restaurants being closed uh, and me being away from home. Dara, have they Dara come in, make you some plop. Any last words, Craig? You get the last, uh, we, we got to run in. Yeah. I, it's, it's a very, very good day today. And we are absolutely delighted. We, we can see a path through to Julian coming out shortly. And I wasn't expecting that this morning. That's great. And yes, there are a lot of very troubling aspects of his judgment for feeding the media, but we'll, we'll deal with them tomorrow. D today, we'll be happy. All right, Craig Murray, thank you very much. I'm Randy Credico, Randy Credico, live on the fly, 99.5 FM in New York City, WBAI.org, support the station. Uh, we're gonna go out with Craig Murray's theme song and that is the logical song by Supertramp. See you later, Craig. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks, Randy. Bye. When I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful.